Happy New Year to you, and uh, we're so excited again to have you join us for this new year, 2020, on the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Today's guest, uh, Raquel Ark, says this, that leadership begins with listening. Raquel is the founder of Listening Alchemy, and her work is devoted to sharing ideas, tools, and resources that help people develop listening capabilities and capacities that go beyond what we typically think of. Um, she loves to, to mold and meld the, uh, the, the, the actual work of listening with the science of listening. And she says that science shows a strong association of high quality listening to leadership, performance, job satisfaction, motivation, and, and much more. She also says, and we agree, that most people think that they are good listeners, that it comes naturally and that others are not listening. But the truth is that everyone can be a high quality listener and that everyone can also be a bad listener. And you'll, you'll hear her talk about that in the episode today. Raquel is an American uh, living in Germany has, who has over 20 years experience managing, coaching, facilitating, and teaching in the communication field. She's a master of arts degree in interpersonal and organizational communication and is a certified professional coach, as well as a transformational presence and leadership coach. We're excited to break new ground today. Not only is this our first episode of the new year, but it's our second international interview and our first international interview in Germany. And to top it off, this is Raquel's first time being interviewed on a podcast, which is funny to us because she spends so much of her time investing in others, teaching others how to be the best listeners that they can be. Just so you know a little bit more about our relationship with Raquel, we met her about two years ago when we had been at the International Listening Association's annual conference in Dublin, Ireland. And we had spoken and presented someone to tell to his work at the conference and we got to know Raquel. And then earlier in 2019, we had been at the International Listening Association's conference again and we got to spend several days with her in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we're looking forward to, um, to getting to spend some more time with her in 2020. So we really hope you enjoy this episode and we think you will. As you know, Raquel, based on our connection with you, we love nothing more than to go to deep places with nearly everyone we meet. We've already gone to some deep places, having spent several hours driving around Ireland with you and then walking the streets of Vancouver, British Columbia earlier this year. And today we are especially excited to go to deep places with you. Are you ready? I'm ready. So let's do it. Let's do it. You had uh, mentioned earlier that you would love to start off the program today with an experience. Would you like to lead us through that? I would love to lead you through that. And um, before we actually started the recording, um, you had asked me um, if we could start this podcast with, you had a suggestion on a topic. So I'd love you to tell the listeners what your topic is, and then I'll explain the listening um, exercise. Yeah, for all of our listeners, we had ended 2019, our last interview with a gentleman who we had asked, What's something that he would like to see happen in 2020? And so we, we thought we'd start off this episode asking Raquel what, what we together would like to see happen in 2020. 
So just for you to know also, um, this was not a question they asked me beforehand, so I'm not prepared and I haven't thought about it. And I thought, okay, let's, why don't we do this together using something called a listening circle. And a listening circle is a, um, a listening tool that's used um, and if you do some research, you find all different types, and I'll take you through one, um, one specific one with certain guidelines. And this is a great uh, tool to use also with teams or in groups um, to make sure that everybody's voice is heard, that um, everybody has a chance to speak, um, and um, it helps slow people down a little bit and is very, very effective. So let's just try it out. So we're going to pretend we're ready. Yeah, you're ready. Well, you know, so we're not face to face. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. We're doing the voice listening circle. But basically, we're going to imagine ourselves in a circle. Right. And um, that each person that there's a something that you're we're kind of holding that says that whatever that symbol is, that person is the person who's speaking and everyone else is listening. And um, we don't have an object. So I'll just help facilitate this, this since this is on online. But we'll all have a chance to speak. And so when, when you do it online, then the person who's facilitating calls the names out and goes in a circle. Um, when I call your name, you don't have to speak. This is the beauty. You can just listen and know that your listening and your paying attention has an impact on the group and is helping all of us listen to one another. So if you don't want to, if I say, if I call your name, take a moment to notice, is there anything for me to say? If not, say pass. And we'll go on to the next person. And in a typical, in a normal listening circle, it goes on until there's nothing more to say, but we will just do a shorter, a mini listening circle. So the guidelines are this. When it's your turn to speak, you speak from the heart. What does that mean? That means that you speak for yourself about what is true based on your own experiences, not on the experiences of others, but on your own experiences. And you are intentional and choose words that really accurately communicate what you hold is important. So you speak from your heart. The second guideline is to listen from the heart. This means we're going to let opinions and judgments take a little break. You know, we can get them after we're done with the podcast if we want them back. Um, but we try to let go of judging, making assumptions about the other person or the situation, because this really gets in the way of us really listening effectively. Um, even if you think it might be important or helpful, but it doesn't help uh, our listening. So be open to be surprised, um, to discover new ideas, surprising connections, or maybe we'll find some interesting ideas for this next year. So that's listen from the heart. The third is that you don't need to rehearse. You don't need to think about what you're going to say beforehand, because if you're rehearsing, you're already not listening. When it's your turn, take a moment just to pause and then listen to yourself and see, is there anything for me to say? Um, and often what the last person has said may trigger something in us. We can respond to what the last person said, but we don't have to. So if you notice yourself starting to rehearse or think about what you want to say, just take a deep breath and kind of bring yourself back to what the other person, um, the, other, the person who's speaking. And then the last one is called, well, there's a, a phrase called lean expression. So say just enough, you know, keep in mind that there's limits of time and everybody, you know, should have a chance to speak. So um, actually people can listen to you better if you, if you speak less. So 
speak less, focus on the essence, and consider, you know, does this move our group forward? Um, and that might help you decide whether there's something to say or not. You don't have to repeat what somebody else just said. Speak from the heart, listen from the heart, no need to rehearse and lean expression. So, you guys ready to go? <laughs> so, We're ready. Ready. Well, Michael, since you spoke out first, <laughs> I'll let you start. <laughs> and remember, you can Perfect. say pass if you want to. <laughs> okay. Okay. So just start right now. Yeah, just start <clears throat> right now. Okay. Okay. 2019 was a tough year for us. It, it was tough, uh, speaking for myself, both personally as well as professionally. Personally, it was tough because my wife had major, major heart surgery. That was, uh, that I remember that, that when, we, when we met with the surgeon several times before um, her, her surgery, he repeatedly, repeatedly told us, this is high risk. He only needed to say it once. <laughs> we, tr trust me, we did not forget that the first time. Um, he didn't, but he didn't need to say it six more times. <laughs> which, which, so it, it you know it created a, a, some anxiety. He was a great surgeon. We really liked him, but it, that was just one thing that was like, oh, um, he's really pounding that point home. And so the year, and it happened early in the year, and, and it was a several month um, recovery for my wife and with rehabilitation, and 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 it was it was just hard, and so there there was that, and and I, I'm happy to start a new year, you know, it's symbolically to start a new year. I hope a healthier year, uh, a year that is not considered so high risk. So there's that there's that personally. But professionally, um, you know, uh, Tom and I both, both really uh, struggled in, in 2019. Um, not together, I mean, not in the sense of not a struggle between us, but, um, you know, the work that we, were, that we do is, is, is hard. The list, to listen to people and to hear some of their, oh my gosh, some of the, 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 the difficult, um, things they're living with and going through. Wow, it, it can take its toll. Also, running a nonprofit, um, sometimes the word nonprofit is very operative. <laughs> There's not a lot of money. <laughs> and, and for much of this year, we really struggled in that way, just because as we're growing and, and expanding, we need more help and to bring on more people and we have to take risks to pay them. And, and, and there were many, many days in which the um, weeks, months, in which the money, we weren't sure if the money was there. And we, we've had good people and who've been working with us, some tremendous people, one of which is, is the person we're sitting next to and who's recording this episode, and that's Clark. Clark, who uh, you know, does all, all the technical wizardry for us to make these podcasts possible. There have been many it takes weeks. A lot of wizard, wizardry. It, it, it takes a lot of wizardry <laughs> with us. <laughs> and um, Clark is a master at it. But Clark has been so patient and, you know, in being paid and when, when money has been tight. And, and we just, uh, we're just so grateful for that. So as we start this new year, just, just giving that, that sort of background, and we start this new year, I think we're both, I'm speaking, I think I'm speaking for both of us in this case, are just so excited to have a better year. 
in the sense that it won't be so hard financially, that it won't be that the things we hear will, will, will continue to have the strength to to hold them and and to be supportive of people and encouraging of people. And um, we, we, we just hope that it's a it's a year that's easier than the last one was. Thank you, Michael. So, Tom, now's your chance. Yeah, we, uh, we've had a tradition with our team members where we have all of our team members choose a word to live by for the year. And this is a tradition that I actually started in my own life personally long before we started someone to tell it to. I've been doing it for probably 10 years or more. And it's actually become a thing now. You can look it up. It's, it's, uh, it's a movement that's happening called myintent.org. You can look it up and it's, it's a worthy and important cause. So I've done a lot of reflecting in the last couple of weeks on what my word needed to be heading into 2020. And as December was coming to a close, I was having a hard time figuring out what my word was going to be. But nearing the end of December, Michael and I had made made it a priority to get away to a retreat center for two days to write and to reflect. We had, because the year was such a challenging one in 2019, we had been on a hamster wheel all year at working incessantly and probably more than we even should have uh, on many given weeks. And being away for those two days in silence and in reflection reminded me of the need to be able to have the space to be able to do that because for, for a variety of reasons. I think one of the primary reasons is that we have been entrusted with leading someone to tell to forward. And in order to be able to do that well, effectively, efficiently, to bear the most fruit, we, we need to have that space to, to listen to ourselves and to others, to know the best, the best direction to head. And so being away was really helpful in that way. And then on top of that, we also believe that we've been gifted with, with words to be able to, to write down and to process some of our thoughts and experiences. We, we've heard often in the last several years, people who have read our book, our writing, our blogs, that they've just connected with our words. And we, in 2019, did not have the space we needed to be able to, to process enough. So my word heading into... 2020 is reflect and I want to have time to reflect, to really think through what is, is on our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. And I look forward to that opportunity. Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> so I love listening to you and I'll take my turn in the circle and, you know, um, I recognize that um, I hadn't really taken much time to think about this next year. I'd spend a little bit more time reflecting, you know, on this past year, which has been full of of experimenting with listening, um, working with a lot of different groups and teams, working with other people who really 
they love listening and want to see what they can do to bring it out into the world um, with a lot of people in diverse um, with diverse jobs di diverse roles and and yet there's a, a common thread of of wanting to catalyze listening that really has impact you know at a deeper level that helps you know connect more to lighten things up to enjoy life a little bit more enjoy each other more and get things done and um so i've learned a lot this past year i've also experienced a lot i've had some great projects with with different people and groups and um, now looking at 2020, I realize that one of um, one of the things I'm looking forward to in January <clears throat> is, and I'd like to pay attention to, is time for um, time to take everything that's happened this past year and then to um, have quiet time. Like you were talking about your retreat, your two-day retreat, and having time to write. I, that sounds so nice. <laughs> I would love, <laughs> I'm like, that sounds great, to have some time to just let it all kind of come together and, um, and see if there's some formats and some ways to, um, that can, where that can be put together in a way that um, is helpful um, to get m my thoughts clear as well as helpful for other people. This is something something fun and something light and something good. So this is, this is one thing for 2020. Um, and on a personal level, and I guess that's a little bit personal or professional, but that's very personal. It's a personal thing. In the end, you know, if something comes out of it, I'm not sure, but it's taking that time in that space and giving myself space because through this listening work, you know, you give other people space, but to also give myself some of that space is really important. Um, and I'm looking forward. Um, I see a lot of um, opportunities for 2020 for some really interesting projects coming up where um, that are across, um, let's say, countries, you know, that might have a larger impact. And so I would say that a word, when you're talking about a word, one is creativity. One is, fo another word would be focus, and another word would be uh, the potential of um, catalyzing something bigger through this listening work. Michael. Thank you. <laughs> Michael, this, then it would be, you would have <clears throat> yeah, a chance. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, in, 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 in reflecting and in, and in looking ahead um, for this, this new year, I'm excited, you know, always excited for the possibilities. Um, I, I hope that one of the things that I know is very, very important, I read it all the time and and, 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 and actually understand it to be true, but, but, but can always, always learn to do it better is to be grateful. You know, everything I, that I read and, and, and experience is the, the more able to find gratitude, even certainly in the, in the, in the fun things, in the, in the wondrous things of life, in the, in, you know, in, in, in the good things that happen or that we get to do or, 
that's 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 fantastic. But, but to be able to find gratitude, even in the hard things, uh, when when days are tough, when you know anxiety is is strong, when doubt is, um, um, you know, sometimes can be overwhelming, um, and when darkness when darkness is is more prevalent than light um, you know and I I hope in 2020 to continue to be to practice gratitude to be mindful and aware of of the goodness even amidst the, the struggles and of the light that does pierce the darkness and to celebrate th those things and and find find the hope and the wonder um, in, in the world um, even you know in the midst in the midst of of everything chaotic and and difficult and and troubling uh, around us thank you Michael Tom. Michael had used the word excited there, and I want to be more excited in 2020 than I was in 2019 because we were on a hamster wheel for mo most of the year and we didn't have the space and the time to reflect. We weren't able to have those visions that we need personally and professionally to ultimately get the most out of our lives. So I want to be excited about some of the things that are on the horizon again. Thank you, Tom. So I'll take the, the listening um, stick or listening, whatever listening piece, I'll be the, the person speaking now. Um, you know, one of the things, um, it's so interesting because um, you notice a commonality of, um, of uh, things that happen throughout the year when you talk to different people. And you know, there has been a lot going on for many people this past year. And um, to take, so 2020, what if 2020 were a time where we get really clear about what um, the gifts that we bring, the role that we play, for example, for me, I love I love playing the role of connector and inspirer, you know, the catalyzer person. Um, and to be very clear about that, also um, amidst the demands of what other people would like from us, whether it's ours to do or not, and to be very clear about that. Also to see how those, um, how we can bring our gifts and, and connect them with the gifts of others so that we can have more impact and um, work together. And I do hope that it will help um, the, you know, some of this extremism and some of these uh, um, things that are happening in the world. I hope there's a way that there's enough of us coming together to, to, um, to bring, uh, you know, those, those uh, to, to be able to bring our full selves together, to work on things that matter, that bring meaning, that support and create a more um, positive um, environment where people can feel good and have fun and enjoy, and um, also um, 
have a ripple effect. Um, and it doesn't mean that things don't get tough, and it doesn't mean that there aren't struggles. That, I mean, that's kind of part of the whole process, but we, that we work through that and work with each other and support each other more than um, just to fight and argue. So <laughs> I wish for less fighting and arguing this next year, <laughs> even in the media. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So um, we could continue this little listening circle, but it was nice to do two rounds um, just to notice what happens in the first round and what happens in the second round. And um, sometimes this type of um, listening circle uh, can also can be used like just as a topic, like you just threw it out there. You know, let's, what do we wish for for 2020? Um, it can also be used in a meeting where there's actually um, you know, you talk about the challenge or what needs to be done and then, you know, what the goal is and then you go around in the circle and um, there, it could be that there's, that everybody has something to say the first time around, but it could be that there's some people who need some time to chew on things and think about things and they won't speak out the first time, but they'll speak out maybe the second or the third time. And, but they know that they'll get a turn. So then it gives them a chance to think about things and not just speak out because they have to or they feel like they need to, but they do it when they're ready. Um, and it also can be that those of those people who tend to dominate have a chance to listen to other perspectives as well as to know that they'll have their turn. And so they're not worried that they won't get their turn. And I've heard people who do this, who do talk a lot, are surprised that they finally feel like they've um, said enough. This is really interesting because they know they'll get their turn and then they feel like, oh, I've said enough. And then they don't have anything more to say. So which is a new experience for them. Kind of like if you're really thirsty and the, you finally drink enough water and you're not thirsty anymore. I love that that analogy uh, of, of being thirsty and then finally getting enough to drink and, and not being thirsty anymore. I think that we find in the work that we do how thirsty people are to be heard how so often we're not listening to one another. We talk past one another. We don't, um, you know, as, as people, we, we don't hear. And I found that in this circle, as all three of us were, you know, took turns talking and none of this was scripted, none of this was planned. You know, we had no idea uh, what one another was gonna say. No idea what we individually probably, <coughs> excuse me, were going to say, especially at eight o'clock in the morning, until, our time until we said it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But one of the things I noticed was how much commonality we all had. You know, we used sometimes the words were a little different, you know, the way we describe things, but we were speaking, I think all three of us, at least I found about so many of the same things. Mm -hmm. And um, if only, you know, and, and Raquel, when you, you talk about the, you know, the, the world and, 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 you know, and some of the, the harshness and the things that are said and, you know, that, that we're hearing in the news and uh, realize that it, we, we believe and we find this to be true in our work that when we can truly listen to one another, we find the commonalities and that we're not, we're not so different. And that we, many of us, if, if not almost all of us, uh, you know, have the, so many of the same feelings and thoughts and needs. And when we can realize that, it's amazing how we can maybe the, ratchet down the, 
<laughs> the divisions and the the, uh, the 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 frustrations with one another and the um, you know the the disagreements. Uh, so I I just think that listening and just this small exercise that we just all did uh, was just reminding me of that again. Of that when we truly listen, tensions decrease, and um, you know we find more common ground. Yeah, and I think also this process, um, you know, just to to look at a structure, you know, the structure, having a structure, and people knowing that they'll have a chance to speak, then they're more likely to listen, because they know they'll get their turn. And in a team or in um, you know a situation where people are interrupting each other all the time because they're afraid that they're not going to be heard, they have to position themselves, and and then in the end nobody <laughs> is listening to anybody, and. Um, and they leave the, you know, things stay in that hamster wheel or they leave being frustrated, um, that this process kind of help, can help um, move past that, even though it can be uncomfortable at first. <laughs> you know, it can be uncomfortable at first. And this is important to realize. And, and there's um, some research going on right now in terms of longitudinal research using this listening circle um, that is looking at the impacts on team and how that might be impact listening culture um, and how long is enough and how long is too much. And they're looking at these different things. Um, but it can be in also in, in like a team or a group of people where there's a history, where it's a challenging environment, you know, whether it's customer service or, you know, in the educational field or whatever, that it takes a little bit of time for people to trust the process. But once they realize that they can say whatever they want and it's accepted you know it's not this blaming thing but talking from your own heart from your own perspective and recognizing that that um that over time people start to start to calm down to relax and start to feel safe and this this psychological safety is key to helping teams become more effective and the fact that everybody has a turn if they have something to say you know, these are two of the things that are, you know, if you look at a lot of the, the research that was also done on Google Teams or if with the teams, uh, Google Teams that were successful over and over, or if you look at different things, taking uh, turns or everybody having a chance to speak or be heard with what they had to say, as well as um, being in tune, you know, with the sensitive to people's emotions um, or this, this thing about psychological safety is really, really important. But then how do you do that in an environment, you know, where people are busy or under stress or under pressure? And this is one structure that can support that if you were to do this every couple of weeks and then see what happens with the team over time. You know, because it takes a little time at first, but it may help in the long run. I was actually going to ask you a question in response to that how often do you recommend teams utilize this practice? Because I was finding myself responding to how I was feeling in this moment, mm -hmm. what I was thinking about in this moment. But even an hour from now, I might, I might have had a very different response. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have an answer for you there. I do think that we will have some answers soon, you know, but some of the, the research that is uh, not out yet, but it's happening. And, um, and I think we'll know more about that answer. Um, what they're testing in some of the research, this is with Guy Ichakov, I always say, let me try this again. With Guy Ichakov, <laughs> you can edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, he says not to worry about it, but I always, I always worry. Guy, it's, it's Chekhov. 
Maybe can just say guy. <laughs> There's this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go guy. with that. He's really cool. <laughs> so he's doing, I can give you a resource. I don't know what you want to edit in here, but anyway. So there's some um, listing research being done right now that's a longitudinal research. And there, he, there's a, a researcher called named Guy Itschakov, who is doing this research right now. And so we should have more information soon in terms of um, maybe how often that should be done or how long or what are the qualities that really make something like this work. Um, but so far, there's a lot of it uh, looks really good. Um, and I know that in some of the research that he's doing there, I think they're doing it every two weeks with a team. And it's not just about just this moment. It's about, you know, you're thinking more over time, you know, how this will impact the team. That's what they're checking. You know, the immediate effects of a listening uh, circle are already shown, um, but to see how it, um, in this, like what we just experienced right now, but to see how it might affect a team over a period of time and how that might impact the culture, the listening culture of an organization is what they're looking at right now. We just may have to, incorporate this into our team meetings um you know, with, if you do with, you with, should with, talk with to him people. maybe he can research you <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. but but uh, i don't know it's something we need to we need to think about how do we um uh, you know in order to to continue to to build a team of people who you know are really engaged and um and attuned uh, to, to one another and then, and then, and then to the, the people to whom we listen and the people we train uh, to listen. I don't know. It's something that we need to, we need to think about and talk about. Raquel, we'd love to kind of head in a little bit of a different direction, but it's, it definitely relates. A few years ago, I, Tom, had written a blog called Surprised by Listening where I talked about several experiences in my life where someone listened so well to me that it surprised me. Listening well, as we often say, is countercultural in a lot of ways because it demands so much of us, our time, our energy, our emotions, our intelligence, our mental capacity, etc. Can you share a time when you were surprised by listening and what it was about that conversation that changed you? Uh, you know, I've been surprised more often, but there is one uh, time that really um, I think of often because it surprised me so much that I still think about that conversation. One of these surprising type of situations. Uh, one of my my mentors in listening is a professor of, at the Hebrew University named Avi Kluger. And uh, just to give you an example, um, I had uh, I found out about him through another friend who knew I was interested in listening. She sent me some of uh, an article he had written, and I contacted him, to, contacted him to ask him some questions. And I remember the first conversation we ever had. We got on the phone, and you know, normally people, when you contact these experts, they talk about listening, right? Well, he didn't do that. He said, you know, he said, um, I'd like to start with the fundamentals. Um, so let's have fun. <laughs> And we started just practicing with these great listening exercises. I don't even know if we even talked about the research on that call. We played with listening in all different and fun ways. So that surprised me. But then over time, you know, our, we would talk every so often. And he's a great listener. And I mean, I knew, I knew that. But one day we had a conversation and I was sharing um, an experience that I had in facilitating 
a group on, we, it was on the topic of resilience, but we were using this listening um, tool, um, a deep listening tool. And I was telling him about how I had um, structured that tool and the impact on the group. I was just talking about this and it had a phenomenal impact on the group. And I remember watching this group and it just, you can just feel the magic, you know, and this, and people were talking in pairs, but everybody was smiling at the same time or everybody was serious at the same time. Everybody was louder at the same time or they were softer at the same time. And they didn't realize that because they were so focused on each other, but you could see how, even though they were listening in pairs, they were the whole group was being impacted by each other. And they did not realize that. It was really amazing. And they were surprised, even though the exercise was only maybe seven minutes, they were surprised at what came out in a short period of time. And so I was telling Avi about this, about the magic that happened, about the impact on the group. And then he said, he, he said, Raquel, um, if you were to take that, what happened there, and if you were to do the same with your son, um, what would you do? How would that look like? And he caught me off guard. <laughs> I was totally speechless. Hmm. Where he took something that was magical, an amazing uh, way that I was, you know, able to, let's say, quote unquote, have impact. And he moved it into an area of my life where I, he knew from listening in other conversations that was really important to me where I wanted to get better. And, um, and to, tr you know, connect the dots with one situation to another and to s with something that was meaningful for me where he, know he knew that was important. That showed me he was listening to me before. So it wasn't just in this moment, but it also was, you know, there's a little bit of a history there. And it, um, it really touched me deeply. I'm still thinking about it. I still think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I loved that question because it made me really think beyond what I had thought so far. And it, it still energizes me. And it still is one of my challenges. So it still is changing me. <laughs> I think for both of us, and probably for all of us listening, we can think of experiences both positively and negatively when we've been surprised by listening. We, the reason we had asked the question is because we actually had a negative experience recently and it reminded us of a story that we had written about in our second book where we were down at a conference and we had been around a lunch table with a group and there was a woman who her focus was on public relations and communication. And we have an annual gathering that happens every fall for our nonprofit. And we started talking with her about the nature of our work. And she immediately chimed in and said, you need to do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. And definitely do this. And I remember just being like awestruck by this experience because that's not what I was asking of her in that moment. And she just assumed because of her expertise that that's what I needed. <laughs> and it was actually not helpful because I remember almost shutting down. And in the last couple of weeks, we've had a very similar experience where we had been having an email exchange with someone and we ended up setting up, up a phone call 
and she also has experience, particularly in the area of fundraising. And we ended up having a, a conversation with her over the phone, and it was almost the exact same situation that transpired. And so I think it's it's helpful for us to have those experiences because we've also probably been on the giving side of that experience where we've not been helpful to somebody else because we have been too quick to offer our own words of wisdom or advice, trying to fix somebody else's problems when that, that's not always what people are asking for. So I think it's just helpful for all of us to be to be really intentional about thinking of those experiences both positively and negatively where we've been surprised by listening. You know, um, what, what you're talking about, I think happens um, often, especially, you know, in the work environment or this word experts. I, I actually have this word listening expert, but I don't like the word because I feel, <laughs> I feel like once you're an expert, you stop learning, you know, and I feel like I'm a forever student, um, <laughs> you right. know, um, but it's there because it's, you know, kind of what people are looking for. So I, I stick it there, uh, but I... I I'd love to find another word eventually, but we maybe we'll see. But anyway, one one of the things what you're talking about, Tom, you know, because, you know, so basically you had this um, interaction with this person and um, maybe even in that moment, you weren't even sure what you wanted from her, you know, but you knew, but this experience surprised you in a way that you realized, oh, wait, this is not what I'm looking for. This is not what I need right now. You know? <laughs> um, and so it's really important on, on both sides, you know, and, and um, this is one thing I talked to with, um, people who are, you know, leading teams or with, with, uh, or people, you know, that they have employees and they come in and, you know, say, Hey, can you, um, what should I do about this? You know, and our initial thing is to jump in and explain things to them, but in the end, it may not be what they really need or want. And, um, to, um, take a moment to first ask, you know, so what are you thinking about it? Or what are you feeling about it? You know, take, ha ask the person first so that they have a chance to kind of, um, you know, kind of get off what's on their mind because there might be something more there or it may be they just need someone to hold the space for them to get get it out and they figure things out and all of a sudden they're, they've already answered their own question and they've, you know, gone back to work and you didn't really have to do anything, right? And this is part of um, what happens. And, you know, for people who, if, you, if you're not sure what that person wants or needs, then I suggest just asking, say, hey, um, you want some advice or do you want me just to listen? Or, you know, what, what would you like from me? I'm here for you for the next 10 minutes. You know, what, what would be most helpful for you? And um, this is good. Or if you have someone who's really young or insecure, then um, even if they want your advice, ask them first for what they're thinking um, to help them get used to thinking through things. And um, before you before you jump in, this, I think this is really important also in terms of um, working with teams. We um, get asked a lot in our listening, you know, people want us to give advice. What should I do here? How should I react here? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? And it is easy to just want to jump in and say, you should say this. You should do that. You shouldn't do this um, or whatever. And but we find we, we we work, we try to work really hard at at not doing that, not jumping in and telling people what to do, because but we try to ask good. You, you just said this and ask questions. What do you think about this? Um, you know, to someone, for example, um, that because we believe that actually most people, most of the time, actually know what to do. They, 
the answer's there. They and and we also realize that no, none of us lo- like to be told what to do. Um, you know, because when 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 a an answer or, or whatever is imposed on us, we we I think sometimes naturally resist that and 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 even sometimes resent that. Um, so it's it's important to to have people discover for themselves, we believe, what the answers are, what they need to do, what they don't need to do. And we find that so much more often than not, uh, that, that to be the case. That, that, and so we, we look at ourselves as permission givers, actually, helping people to, to discover within them the answers they already know and have. Um, and that's, that's really magical when when that can happen and when we're, you know we're not imposing something or telling somebody what to do or not do but that they themselves realize that they already know and just need encouragement and reassurance that it's okay to do what um, maybe their gut is telling them is the right thing and it's really i don't know that's that's it is magical when that can happen Raquel, in your your bio on your LinkedIn profile, you said that you love seeing how practice and science work together. By making a statement like that, would you say that that hasn't always been the case, especially in the field of listening? And how so? We've, We've often heard the phrase that listening is an art, not a science. But I think that you're you're trying to merge the two. Yeah, I've always, <laughs> I am trying to merge, you know, I, I, I've always, always, uh, I remember when I was getting my master's degree, people were always like, what's better theory or teaching and or doing the research or teaching? I'm like, well, we need both. <laughs> Why does one have to be mm-hmm. better than the other? We need both. You know, the research helps us to understand things better. Teaching is the practical side. We need to put it into practice and it needs to feed back into the research. It's, it's a circle. It works together. So the, um, you know, I'm kind of a, a geek when it comes to the listening science. So I love reading about stuff like this. You know, I get excited about that. Um, but I will tell you once, I, you know, my background is in organizational and interpersonal communication. So I actually had listening classes in university. <laughs> not everybody has that. And um, but because there's not that many programs that include um, listening yet. We're hoping that changes. Um, so... Um, when I first decided to focus more on listening because I saw what was happening out in the world, you know, like pe- people feeling not listened to, groups not feeling listened to, and because of this reason they're voting in this way or they're making this decision or, you know, they're, um, you know, whatever. You, you just see a lot of that happening. And, and I also realized I was do- using a lot of listening in my group with groups and with students, and I saw the magic happening, but I never told them this is what was happening creating the magic you know this is I never said that and highlighted or showed a light on this and so I decided to focus more and I did a lot of experimenting because I wanted to there's a lot of research out there and models out there but I wanted to um, experience it for myself and see what I noticed and how um, people were impacted that so I took a little time to do my own research and then afterwards um once I met, for example, Abby Kluger and some of these other listening researchers, what helped me is that then I was able to um, find language to explain the magic that was happening. So 
people feel a certain way, they, they feel, when they're really listened to, they feel differently. Something different happens, but it's really hard to explain it. It's really hard for people to put words to it. So the science has helped me to um, put language to it. So when I'm working also with teams or with groups now, I always have them experience listening first and then explain it after. You know, because we need to experience it. It's like a kid who wants to touch the stove and you say, don't touch, it's hot. Don't touch it, it's hot. <laughs> don't touch, it's hot. But they, what do they need to do? They need to touch it so they know it's hot. It's the same thing with listening. People have to experience it to really understand what listening is. I've heard so often that people said, oh, I thought I was a good listener, but oh my gosh, <laughs> this is hard work. <laughs> oh, there's so much more, you know, than I thought before. You know, I had one guy in uh, a tech, I was doing some training at a tech company and the guy said, I thought that if I weren't listening for content, it was a waste of my time, but oh my gosh, there's so much more and I'm going to go home and listen to my wife now, <laughs> you know, so, so it was really, really yeah. nice. But what happens is the science yeah. helps to, to anchor it. Like the science helps, when you explain it afterwards, then people like think they're not crazy anymore, that they, they can put language to it. They don't feel like they're crazy anymore for experiencing this thing. And it helps them to anchor it and to trust it, to try to do more. We were meeting with someone yesterday in fact, who said that it's sometimes easier to simply talk about listening than it is to do listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, why, why, why is that, uh, Raquel? What, you know, what's your, from your research, from your, your understanding and your experience, why is listening so hard? <laughs> I think we think that it happens naturally, but it doesn't. We have to learn, learn you know, it's not just listening, it's effective listening. You know, it's listening that really make that really makes the difference. Um, and like, we we're not taught that in schools, we're not taught that in programs. And this is something that really needs to change. So to to understand better, what are the conditions that really make listening work? Not assuming it just happens. We assume it just happens, but it doesn't just happen. There's the way our brains work, and I'm not a brain expert, but when if you look at um, you know a lot of the the biases, uh, you know, and like a lot of the research that's done in decision making, um, behavioral decision making, and some of these areas, when you look at the biases, and then you start looking at listening, then you start to see what gets in the way. You know, often we're thinking about a response. You hear this a lot. Um, instead of really listening. So right there, our minds have blocked listening to what the other person is saying. Or we listen to only what fits our idea of what should be said, right? Um, or um, we're trying to help someone, so we're already coming up with solutions, um, but it's from our perspective, not from the perspective of the other person. And one of the things that I've learned is that I used to think, you know, a lot of us think of listening as, I'm listening to you so I can do my job better. I'm getting, gathering information, I'm understanding the context, I'm trying to understand the situation, I'm understanding how you tick so I can convince you to do what I want, you know, to influence you. So this is how we, <laughs> this is how we approach listening, this, your active listening to understand the content or the emotions and to then maybe paraphrase it back. This is important, it's needed, but it's not enough. And this is not the, the listening that has the biggest impact, right? So what they've noticed, found out in the research is that if I listen to you with high quality listening, and what is high quality listening? 
according to the research, it means that I'm really paying attention. I've moved all physical distractions and I've cleared my mind as much as possible. You know, I, I don't know if it's possible to clear our minds completely, um, but at least as much as possible where I'm really focused on that person. Um, and enough so that if I do notice my mind kind of taken off that I bring it back, right? Um, so paying attention, um, making efforts to um, understand and put myself into your shoes, your perspective. So this is the empathy thing, but listening is part of what helps you to become uh, practice empathy, to put yourself in the shoes. So it's from their perspective, not your perspective. Um, and that you, um, you're open and curious without any judgments and you really, people feel that you care. And if you pay attention and you show some empathy and you're open, just this, which sounds very simple, <laughs> but it's not, um, you will help the person you're listening to to think more clearly. You will help them get smarter about their work. You will help them become um, more creative. So the research shows that if you listen to people in this way, they will become more creative. They will become more motivated. Um, if you're a leader listening to your employees in this way, to the people around you in this way, their, their satisfaction and their work goes up tremendously way more than their salary so there's a lot of research showing this and often we don't we don't think of listening in this way we agree 100 percent, and we know that listening takes practice it takes constant practice and we will continue to fail because it's so hard to do it well it's important to be aware of these things that get in our way how, how do you suggest that we do that how to well um first of all it's becoming self, the more self-aware you are. So there's a lot of talk about listening to yourself. I don't know if, you know, listening to yourself, listening to other people, listening to, you know, the, the, the big picture, let's put it this way. So the more you listen, you're listen to yourself, meaning, you know, am I really paying attention? Am I, am I present? Um, am I in this very moment? Am I able to listen? If someone comes and asks me a question and I'm focused on something, you know, um, and can I be the listener that they need me to be? Or do I need to tell them, hey, I want to listen to you. Can we talk, you know, in an hour or later on this afternoon? You know, to be very aware of when you can listen, when you can't, whether it's in that very moment when someone's asking you of something. Or like for me, I am when I'm tired, I'm a horrible listener. So if my husband wants to talk to me about what we need to do this next week, and if I'm, I'm like, uh, do we need to talk now or can we talk in the morning? Because I'm much more present in the morning than I am at night you know, just to give you an example. So to be the more aware of when you can listen well and the conditions you need um, to listen well, the um, then you can create those conditions, have some maybe tools in your toolbox. If you're, for example, if you're somebody who needs time to think about things before you respond, for example, and someone shows up at your desk asking you something, then it's okay to say, hey, um, let me think about it and I'll get back to you later on today. You know, it's that you take time. I know that's a little bit with listening. Listening is a funny thing. Listening to yourself. Sometimes you need time to listen to yourself so that when you go back to that person, then maybe you have questions to ask where you listen to them first. Um, and then you're ready to sh take that information and then, and then be able, when you do talk to them or share your ideas, that it's um, more appropriate or they're more likely to to listen to you because you've listened to them first, for example. Um, this is something. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but just a couple of thoughts that came to my mind. You know, often we expect the person we're listening to to be the ones to listen to us. 
but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> There's a lot of people I listen to that don't listen to me. Um, but I know that I need people in my life to listen to me so that I can be smarter, so I can think more clearly. So I have those people on my, my listening team. And some people listen in one way and some are better at listening in a different way. So sometimes I go to different people for different reasons, depending on what I need. Um, but I definitely think that we all need people to listen to us. And it may be people who are different than the ones you want to listen to you. And for those people who, if, and if you really want someone to listen to you, then take time to listen to them first. And there will be a point in time where they'll be ready to listen to you. Some people might take a little bit of time, but it will happen. You just might need to give it a little time. And then when they say, oh, what about you? Then they're ready. And then they're more likely to be able to, you know, take or receive whatever you have to say. Yeah, this might be a oversimplifying things, but if you don't know what type of listening the other person wants, sometimes the best thing we can do is just to ask. Yeah, exactly. It's very simple. It's a little bit vulnerable, but it's a surprising thing to do, but it works. And sometimes those people are a little surprised. They may not know what they want, but maybe the next time they come to you, then they'll know what you want. Maybe that and that time they don't, but the next time they'll think about it. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, you recently uh, sent us an article uh, from the Harvard Business Review, and it was entitled The Power of Listening and Helping People Change. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that stood out to us in that article was there was a section that, that was in, entitled The Enemies of Listening, <laughs> that, that what, what makes it difficult to listen mm -hmm. and, and why we don't listen or why we may you know, be resistant or hesitant. Mm -hmm. And you know, three things that were list that were listed, for example, were that that some of the enemies are the loss of power, right. or that it takes time and effort to do it, and that we fear change. What do you have to say about that? Uh, you know, any comments about those kinds of things that why we sometimes as humans are resistant to uh, really listening to to one another. So this article is based on a lot of some research that has been done by um, different researchers, but the article was written by um, Abby Kluger, who's the one I mentioned before, and Guy Ichkavo. It's <laughs> this <laughs> again that guy, whoever he is. Right? Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> start over. <laughs> <laughs> so this article um, was written by um, Abby Kluger and Guy Ichkabo. Oh, gosh, I'm going to do it one more time. And this time I'm going to get it right. Okay. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Say it 10 times fast. <laughs> oh, gosh. I was wondering why all these listening researchers have tough names. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this article was written by Avi Kluger and Guy Itzchakov. I hope I say that name his name right. They're wonderful. They're researchers and they're doing some wonderful work. I'd mentioned them before, and one is doing research on the listening circles, and they've done research together. But this article was written by both of them, um, where they where they look at the research and how this does how listening does impact people um, to change, meaning that. When we listen to someone with this high quality listening and we're really paying attention, we're open and we're putting them, ourselves in their shoes. This person may at first be try, trying to persuade you. As 
um, they start to feel safe because you're giving them this really good listening. As, you, as they start to feel safe, instead of persuading you, they're going to start expressing themselves expressing themselves in a way that they start listening to their own voices. And often we may have contradictory ideas about things, but we don't hear that in ourselves. So they're persuading you and then they start to express themselves and then they start to hear their own thoughts and they start to get clearer. And this is where ideas start to come out and they start noticing um, both not only their strengths, but maybe strengths and weaknesses. So it's a more realistic perspective of themselves. You know, so that so this is something that's that when that happens, then people have more ideas. They realize what's important. They become less extreme. Um, they're more engaged, and it turns into a self-listening, <laughs> um, and that person then will start to change. You know, so it that's where this whole idea of what listening is. Am I listening to understand that person? Or if I really listen to this person, it will, they will change themselves because they're starting to feel safe. And then this happens. Um, so when you think about that and you go back to what gets into the way of listening, then um, there are people who may be afraid to be listen, uh, to listen because um, it's a vulnerable thing. Once people start reflecting on, on you know, and they start noticing both the, the positive and the negative sides, it's a vulnerable place to be. And so they really need to be in a safe place to be able to do that. So this is important for also leaders. If you're asking your employee to express themselves, it may take some time for them to start to feel safe. And when they, they start, they may notice things that they didn't notice before. Um, so there's, you know, and sometimes people are afraid of what they might hear. Like I've heard managers say, hey, you know, what if I hear something and I can't do anything about it? <laughs> but it could be that yeah. that's this perception. I have to do something. I have to fix something. And what if I can't? So they rather would not mm -hmm. listen. And um, what if that when you do listen, it's not about you doing fixing. It's more about helping them to then take responsibility for their own stuff, you know, and help them come up with ideas for their own um, challenges mm -hmm. more than you having to fix it. Um, also, if a leader listens, this dominance power, you know, that you see out in, the, you know, in politics, this dominance power um, will go down. People do lose power. That's dominant power if you listen. So there are managers that will, if you're in a dominant environment, you will lose power. The research has shown this. Yet, if you do listen, what goes up then is your prestige power. So this is the power where people then trust you or are inspired by you or want to follow you. So not have to follow you like the dominance power, but they want to follow you. This is the difference. So you do have power when you listen, but it's a different type of power. And if you think of some of the leaders out there, you know, like Martin Luther King or, you know, <laughs> some Gandhi and some of these people, they had more of the prestige power just to give you an example. So this is a loss of power thing. We know that our time is, you know, just about ready ready to end. And you, first of all, you, you've been tremendous and we could just talk all day and listen, listen, more importantly, <laughs> listen all day. But uh, we know we, we know we can't. So we have, we, we have one more question um, as, as we end. The, the work that you do, you entitled it Listen, Listening Alchemy. Um, why that name? What does that metaphor mean? 
So when I dis first decided to um, to really shine the light on listening, to start doing work that brought listening, um, you know, that highlighted listening, I had a hard time focusing on what type of listening to focus on because there's a lot of models out there. There's a lot, you know, there's deep listening and active listening. There's all different types of listening, but it, um, you know, putting a label on listening restricted me too much. <laughs> um, put Two, two things in a box. And I guess I didn't want to be stuck in a box. And so I really struggled with how to focus. And then one um, night, in the middle of the night, it was like two or three, I guess, in the morning, I woke up and this word listening alchemy was in my mind. It just kind of showed up. And, you know, I don't know much about alchemy, but all of a sudden that, that word, that name opened up the door for me to be able to um, focus on listening in a way that... Um, where uh, uh, on listening in a way that focus on the listening that really matters to me, the type of listening that has impact where people um, feel really good, feel understood and things get done. And why is that? So, you know, a lot of times um, we're listening, we're thinking of our responses or we may have fears or we may have biases. So this is kind of like the, if you think of the metal before it turns into gold, this is, this is that type of listening. And then, over time, if the, the listening that makes the difference and, and taps into the gold, so what gives people meaning, new ideas, you know, things that might help with innovation or with connecting a team, this is the things that create that gold. This is when we're really present, when we are feel like we're enough, where we are giving our full attention, where we really care about the other person. And then all of a sudden the magic happens. It's like a superpower and it does things in a team, in a group with other people that is nourishing and helpful and effective for everybody in the room. And this is an alchemy, you know, that this is, this kind of symbolizes this. Also, um, what you were talking about, you know, the, pr the practice and the science, to me, this brings this together. Um, because we need both, you know, sometimes we feel something, we experience something, but it's hard to put our finger on it, but we know that there's something important here and the science can help to explain that. So it kind of helps balance that. And, and it's also a, um, a constant practice, a constant experimentation, trying things out to see what works and what doesn't work. And, um, when the really good listening happens, then it's, you know, it's kind of like gives, it really nourishes people. Um, gives life to people, the situation, the project, um, it gives energy there. And this is, um, but yet it's not restricted in a boss, box because I don't like giving people um, a checklist for listening because then they focus on the checklist and not the particular situation. It's not whether people are good listeners or bad listeners. We can all be good and bad listeners. It depends on who we're listening to, how we're listening, um, how often we're listening. And so every situation with even with the same person can be a little bit different and to notice you know when it's working when that magic that alchemy is happening and when it's not and this is um and there's a lot of different ways to do it and there's not just one way or the other but there's a lot of different ways to listen that can do that we we agree because we all need to be reminded that this takes practice that you, you had shared, I think, earlier this week when we had spoken with you, an example, and maybe you could end with this, where your husband had talked about an interaction that you had had where you yourself as a 
and expert listener <laughs> struggle to listen. And I think we all have to do that, that looking in the mirror because we don't always get it right. So maybe you could end today with that example. Um, so the other day we were sitting in the car and we were um, trying to organize some things for the week and some, you know, someone had asked us when we could do something. And so we talked about it and we decided, okay, this day would be better for that. So then I was, um, you know, we were in a parking lot and I start texting the person, you know, hey, we can do this on Wednesday. And my husband um, went on to the next point. He started talking, you know, about whatever the next thing was, you know, and I'm texting at the same time. And then I finished. And then he said, so were you listening to me? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> and, we love when we love when we get thrown, I, that thrown back yeah, at yeah. us. And I said, well, yeah. I, I heard this and I heard this, but I think I missed something here. That's what I got. He's like, oh, I was testing to see if you were really listening to me. And that was a test. And I said, well, <laughs> how'd the test work? <laughs> it shows you that when I'm texting, I cannot listen fully to what you're saying. So that should be the test. You know, I think in his mind it was to say, hey, you know, you weren't listening to me testing this listening expert. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, both both have responsibilities. It could have been in that moment, you know, that I would have said, hey, wait till I finish texting and then I'm with you, you know, just hold on a moment. But I didn't do that. You know, I just kept nodding my head and texting at the same time. Right. Or he could have noticed that it's hard for me to listen while I'm texting. And he knew I was just sending a quick text. He could have waited till I was finished um, and then checked in to see if I was ready. You know, so we both, um, you know, could have taken responsibility there. But um, now we know the test failed, <laughs> even in that moment. Um, you know, but you yeah, learned, but the test taught you <laughs> something, right? right? <laughs> L- listeners are learners. You know, there's something yeah. else I just wanted to share um, with you, if it's if it would be okay with you. Um, the, you know, in, in, my, in my work, I tend to work with uh, three, in general, three situations. One, you know, I work with teams, um, helping them to listen to each other better, but also in connection with speaking because it, it works together. Just listening is a starting point. And so this is in terms of being assertive um, and how does that work with collaboration or in terms of giving and receiving feedback, you know, these types of topics or, or challenging conversations, um, creativity, things like this. Then the second is working with consultants or coaches um, or leaders who want to integrate listening into the work that they're doing because when they do and they weave that in in, a, in certain ways, then it changes their work and raises things to another level. And um, it's much more nourishing for themselves as well as for the team. So, um, and these coaches and, and consultants, they, they find that this is something that can really help teams um, work better together. So they're out doing that with different groups in their environment or in schools or whatever. And then, and then um, the third group is working one-on-one with you know people in, in mainly organizations, sometimes with coaches and consultants where you're working with how to bring, you know, how to really, you know, bring in these concepts into their day-to-day activities in a practical way. And it's, you know, I don't have all the answers. We work through that together. You know, we're all figuring it out. Um, because it's challenge, but there's a lot of challenging environments in there. But I just want to share. Sometimes we do it, and then we don't take time to reflect on whether it worked or not. So it's really important if you try some of these things out to to take a moment, like once a week, and look back and say, "Hey, is this new way of listening in my practice? Is it changing 
um, the relationships, the environments, to actually stop and notice because often I think that's one of the challenges. We don't, because listening is not loud, we don't notice when it happens. Speaking is loud, so we notice when that works or doesn't work. But with, when listening works or doesn't work, we don't pay as much. We usually notice when it doesn't work, but we don't notice when it works because we're on to the next thing already. And I had a um, one of the uh, consultants that I've done, you know, worked with um, in terms of doing some training and stuff. She um, does amazing work with groups, a lot of NGOs and whatnot. And um, she hadn't taken time to notice what listening um, that, the, that over the year that she's been doing more with this listening. And all of a sudden she's like, wow, oh my gosh, now that I'm thinking about it, it has made a really big difference in my life and my work and what I offer to my clients. You know, so she, she had been doing it, but hadn't realized the impact. And what she said um, just recently um, that she used one of the very simple little exercises where you bring to mind a good listener or listening moment and you think about one word um, with a team. And she did this with a team in Ghana and it was a Ghana, Ghanaian German team. And she said at the end of the exercise, and this only takes a few moments, um, when people said their words one after another, she said that it really impacted her really emotionally. And looking back, she thinks that just by doing that with this team where everybody thought of this moment, thought of a word that described this quality meaning, and then they spoke that out with this team, that this was a tipping point for the team process. And that during that workshop, it opened up a room for a really deep process with that team. Just to think about the type of quality of listening that helps us, that has impact us on us. And then they did that for the rest of the day. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been a joy as always to have you on and just to get to know you more. And we think so highly of your work. For our listeners today, Raquel, how could they find out more information about your work? They can go to my website. It's a simple website, but you can reach me at uh, www.listeningalchemy.com if you want to get in contact with me, um, or you can sign up for the newsletter there. That's where people probably get a little bit more insight into what I'm doing. And I also started a um, podcast recently with, you know, researching or uh, interviewing people, and I hope I can interview you sometime. Um, also researchers. There's a couple uh, coming out soon on research. Um, I have some um, co nice conversations with people working in the tech environment, also in organizations. Um, when person who was a chief listening officer in a hospital and the impact of that. And so if you're interested of, on hearing about how people really put this into practice, um, then you can go there as well. Well, Happy New Year. Thank you, Raquel Ark. Um, yeah, Happy New Year. And we hope that uh, 2020 is the year you hope it to be. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode today with Raquel. We could have just gone on talking all day long, listening all day long to her. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed what you've heard today. At the end of the episode, you, you may re recall that Raquel said that she hopes we'll work together in, in 2020. Well, the fact is we are going to work together. In March, at the end of March, we're going to be together in Seattle, Washington, the western coast of the United States. And we're going to be the keynote presenters together, the three of us, 
at the International Listening Association's annual conference in, for this year. And we're going to be doing some exercises. We're going to, we hope, have some fun. We're actually going to be speaking with people who research listening and who do listening. And we're so excited to be able to be part of this venture together. So as we head into 2020 for the Someone to Tell To podcast, we could use your help. First off, if you could go on and just click subscribe to, to our program, we'd appreciate it. And then also write us a kind review because that helps grow our audience. And if you want to share any of our episodes with audiences that you think might strongly resonate with our work, we would, we would also appreciate that. We encourage you to go to www.patreon.com, which is www.patreon.com and make a small donation to continue to support our work. So again, thank you for tuning in until we listen again.